Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on the Twitters at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. And people should pay for good journalism where? At a lot of different places, but specifically for the purpose of this podcast, The Athletic. And we will have a conversation, a PSA about content later off and later on in the show. Is that right? Is that what you you have some things you need to get off your chest? Is that correct? That makes it sound like I'm angry, <laughs> but I'm not. But I would like to address a common thread that I, I keep seeing in my comment sections on my stories lately. And I think it's important to address our listeners, many of whom are subscribers to The Athletic. Okay, which is good. You should also subscribe to The Athletic and listen to this podcast. Um, we do appreciate that. Rate, review, and subscribe, of course. A quick programming note. Of course, next week, Thanksgiving, uh, we will be out on Wednesday morning next week. So ready to go or bright and early for your commute to wherever you may going, wherever you may be going for, for your holiday weekend. So not a Thursday pod. Um, it, 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 if you've got the feed ready and subscribed, you will get your show on Wednesday morning next week. So that's coming up next week. Today on the show, we will talk about UC Soros continuing to be completely dominant. My major concern about the scoring offense and taking too many penalties was the road trip a success? We'll preview the homestand as well. We've got a lot of stuff to get to today on the show. We'll, we'll do all of that here. Uh, however, we, we've got to start, as we usually do, because the gold standard is brought to you by... Jaspers. Now, Adam, you yes. have been... We've been building this beef between the Fringe Element podcast and the Gold Standard podcast, our SEC podcast, out every Wednesday. Lamestream Sports, by the way, out every single Friday. And Aaron Dugan, who's a host on the Fringe Element podcast with Stephen Godfrey, has done a haiku for Jaspers on the spot off the top of her head and an acrostic off the top of her head, which I believe is a poem using the first letter of the word Jaspers. Um, basically, they are taking shots at you on that show through the advertisements for Jaspers. How, do you, how does this make you feel? Hmm. How does it make me feel? It makes me feel like their arms are too short to box with God. What? What are you talking about? What I'm saying is there's no French <laughs> element cocktail. There are ah. no SEC football specials, I believe, at Jasper's. There is, a, there is a gold standard cocktail. There are Predator-specific specials at Jasper's. So basically... They're trying to pick a fight with someone that in the Japs in the in the in the hierarchy of Jasper's advertising, I'm up here. They're down here. They've got to come up with the creative stuff to catch up. But is but is that not like a literary affront to you as a as an author and a writer and and like a like a wordsmith such as yourself to have a videographer like Aaron Dugan just rattling off brilliant haikus and poetry off the top of her head for Jasper's. And you're look, the, you're the, you're the wordsmith here. You're supposed to be able to do all this stuff. Look, first of all, there's a difference between like journalism and poetry. Well, so she's, she's I, way better than you at poetry. <laughs> hey, look, I'm not the one that gets on Chrisley knows best every once in a while. So uh, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> there's a show on USA. Yeah, I've never really, there, I've yeah. never really understood it, but it appears that Aaron is very close friends with his daughter. I, I know nothing of the show except when I'm watching Monday Night Raw. There are tons of advertisements, tons of advertisements <laughs> for Chrisley Knows Best because that it is also on USA. 
So good to be. Erin is like a sneaky TV star. So no, she. All of her friends are very cool and famous. There's there's no question about that. It's like she she right. is, so, she's not friends with us. I don't see cool what the I don't see why she needs to pick a fight with me. But she's apparently not famous enough to have her own cocktail. Wow. Go to Jasper's where you can go buy to Jasper's where you can get a cocktail named after me, <laughs> technically, and not Aaron. The gold standard at Jasper's. Uh, also, great happy hour specials for Predators home and road games. Three dollar beers, ten dollar smash burger. It's all great. Go to Jasper's. Okay. Um, two and one since the last time we hung out, Adam, the predators, they win in overtime against St. Louis, which was a thoroughly entertaining game. Um, they win in against Arizona at home. Finally, the first time they played at home in like weeks, it feels like after their Western Canadian swing, dominating an Arizona team the way they should, uh, with a four, nothing win Matt Duchesne, of course, Mikhail Granlin, uh, Roman Yossi, UC Saros, all being big stars. Like we talked about last week on the show through both of those games. And then they go to Toronto on Tuesday evening and play a basically a one nothing hockey game, which I don't think is all that surprising considering how long the road trip has been, how far, how much they've been away from home. And it's arguably the two hottest goaltenders on the planet. (laughs) So I'm not surprised that it was one nothing. They did give up a goal late, you know, three, four minutes to go. And then of course an empty netter, UC Saros was brilliant. They gave up a power play goal to Austin Matthews in the first period. And that was basically the difference but lack of offense there in that one. Um, I guess I'll just start with, you know, they've taken nine out of 14 total points on this particular road trip where they're going to play eight out of nine on the road. It would have been nine out of 10, but the Ottawa game got canceled. Um, You have to view, no matter what happens against Montreal over the weekend, don't you have to view the road trip as a success considering they've taken nine out of 14 possible points Tuesday night, notwithstanding. Yeah, I think, I I think the way they played in the first portion of the, the road trip, which were, which was the six games um, before that Arizona game, the Western Canadian uh, stretch, then Chicago, Dallas, and St. Louis. Um, what, what were they, four, one, and one in those six games? So if you want to include um, the game against Toronto, that makes it four, two, and one. And then the game against Montreal, Montreal, by the way, not very good. Uh, so the Predators should you know, for their sake, win that game and end this long stretch of road games on a high note. But last night's game, you know, I got into some uh, comment, comment thread spats with people on, on the athletic uh, this morning, talking about how I, I, my, I stipulated that other than UC Saros, nobody showed up um, against the Maple Leafs. And perhaps as I am wont to do, that is an exaggeration, but the <laughs> wait, wait, the, are you suggesting that there were in fact Nashville Predators players in the building that they actually there were. did in theory show up? But according to my my deserve to win meter on moneypuck.com that I like that I like to regularly reference, as of now it says the Maple Leafs deserve to win that game 87.8% to 12.3%. Um they the they outshot the Predators, the Maple Leafs did. 20 to seven in the slot in all situations, according to sport logic last night, if not for UC Soros, it would have been a bloodbath. And look, you know, you made a great save when you end up on the sports center top 10, which UC Soros did this morning. I believe he was number six um, because of his save on Austin Matthews. And we'll talk more about UC Soros, but that isn't to say that it was UC Soros against the Toronto Maple Leafs last night or Tuesday night rather, but 
outside of a few chances here and there, I yeah. mean, UC Soros is what is, is is who allowed the Predators to main to stay in that game. If not for him, you know, you could have turned that game off a lot earlier. Well, it's I, I totally agree. What's funny is that it's three nothing, and you could be like, on one hand, the game was a lot closer than the score indicated. But on the other hand, three nothing is probably what that game should have been all the way along, like like across the entire 60 minutes. So UC Soros, and, and we'll get to him in a second, but his goal saved above average is, is going up every time we do this show. <laughs> so hmm. uh, it's up now to 6.07, which puts him eighth in the NHL. He's up about three or four spots from last week, and that was up from a spot or two from the week before. So he is now you know creeping back up to the top names. You know who's number one, I believe, in all of the NHL? Jack Campbell. So uh, that, that, that guy is, is he's playing. He's again, the, the two guys that are leading the league in quality starts, I guess we're already into the UC Saros portion of the conversation here. The two guys that are leading the league in quality starts, a stat that you sort of brought onto the show a couple of weeks ago with 11 are the two guys that were in that on uh, Tuesday night. So yeah, Jack Campbell is off to a great start. The Maple Leafs got off to a bit of a slow start as a team, but they're starting to turn it around and their star players are playing like their star players. Austin Matthews, John Tavares, William Nylander. Um, they're, they're all playing very well. So the Predators, you know, we talk about this a lot more in the NFL because there are fewer games. You know, it's important. The schedule is more important in the NFL, of course, in terms of, of when you catch a team. You know, are they, are they dealing with injuries? Are they on a slump? Are they winning games? And that can play a huge role in how a, uh, how a game plays out. In the NHL, it's a little bit different, of course, because there are more games. But you know, the Predators caught the Maple Leafs at the wrong time for the Predators. Yeah. Sake. And I think you saw that last night. But, you know, as you said, Jack Campbell off to a really great, really good start for the Maple Leafs. UC Saros continues to play well for the Predators. And normally, as you said, we would be previewing, previewing a game uh, for Thursday against the Ottawa Senators. But that game has been postponed due to a COVID out, COVID-19 outbreak and the Senator's dressing room, I believe 10 players are currently in COVID-19 protocol. Uh, so we'll see when the Predators and Senators can make up that game because it's going to be very difficult uh, to, to squeeze that in when you consider the Olympic break as well. But they're going to have to play that game some sometime. Do, uh, do you think we're going to see more of that across the league, these types of situations? Or well, this is the first the, time this season. I believe this is the first time this season that there's been a, a, a series of postponements. The San Jose Sharks had a COVID-19 outbreak as well, but the they played through it. You know, I think they had six or seven players at one time on that list, but they basically just called up, you know, players from their minor league team and fielded a, a preseason type lineup for a stretch of games and actually equated themselves quite well. But this is the first time this season that a team has had to postpone games because of a COVID-19 outbreak. So they will not be playing Thursday. They're back on the ice against Montreal on Saturday. We'll get to sort of the upcoming schedule here coming up uh, a little bit later on in the show. Um, I just quickly... You know, they get smoked by the Jets on the road. They play very well in Connor Ingram's debut against Minnesota on the road. They do not play particularly well against Chicago. They take a point away, but that's not a good Chicago team. They weren't in a good place there at all. You know, they they two very good wins on the road against Dallas and St. Louis. Uh, you know, St. Louis at the time was a first place team. Dallas was sort of a desperate team. I mean, so far, Almost, I think every single divisional game has been on the road, and they've got what three wins to show for it three, one, and one on the road in five games. That's a pretty good start in the division, Adam. Right. And when you look at the standings, 
you know, the predators are, are in a good spot. Um, what's interesting is that over on ESPN.com the other day, I believe it was Greg Wyshynski, Greg Wyshynski, easy for me to say, who had his first month recap. And he talked about the biggest surprises in the league, the biggest disappointments in the league, both from a player and team perspective. And he said the team most likely to fade that's got <laughs> off to a good start in the first month of the season, the Nashville Predators. Yeah, and I saw that. You know, and, 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 and one could argue that, you know, one, you could see Greg's point that the top players, Matthew Shane, for example, are perhaps playing unsustainable hockey from an offensive, offensive standpoint. Um, you see Saros is playing exceptionally well, and I'm not necessarily concerned that he is going to regress. I think you're, you're seeing UC Saros in, in his, in his normal natural, state. natural habitat. Yes, in this natural habitat. But when you look at the Western, excuse me, when you look at the Central Division standings, you know, the Predators are in third place as we record this, two points behind Winnipeg and a point behind Minnesota. You know, you look further down the the, the list, you know, they're, they're six points ahead of Colorado, albeit Colorado has played four fewer games. You know, this is not the time to talk about games in hand, but no. you would have expected <laughs> Uh, that to be a lot different. It's still amazing to me um, that I believe the Dallas Stars are still without a... Re- no, sorry. They have two regulation wins now. They are 6-6-2. Six, six, and two. But at the time they played the Predators, they had not won a game in regulation. Uh, but now they have won two, according to the standings. I, I'm completely unaware of that because how much Dallas Stars <laughs> hockey am I watching when they're not playing the Predators? Um, but look, they're off to a good start. And at this point of the season, it's about baking points. And you understand that there's going to be a time in the season, most likely, when those points are harder to come by. So you built yourself a nice little cushion uh, when when that regression happens. Um, I'm not expecting them to fall off the face of the earth. Um, but uh, as you said, you know, considering how road heavy their schedule has been over the past few weeks, uh, considering the caliber of opponent they've been playing, yeah. I, I yeah. think they I think they're in a good spot. I mean, I still think they're playing better than we expected, and. And I, I am I am optimistic that they can maintain this pace for a little bit longer. They're doing the right things. I feel like they're doing some of the right things to hold off that regression, but it's going to come because very few teams, you know, don't hit that that you know the peaks and valleys we always hear about. Well, they'll hit that valley eventually. No, but it's about making yeah yeah. There's no question that they'll hit the valley. I, I think to your point, adding context to the early start. And just saying, hey, they're playing a little bit better and they're in third place and nine, six and one. And they're, you know, they're doing things that we didn't expect. Duchesne's hot. Saros is great. All these things. I think you have to put context around that, which is our job. And that is, like you said, you know, eight out of seven out of eight on the road and all teams that were surprisingly hot, either great penalty kills or power plays like Edmonton or in first place like St. Louis or on a tear like Toronto, like they're just getting teams at the wrong time and they're still sort of finding ways to win. Now they're going to have a home stand where they're going to play six out of seven on at home after Montreal. You do, you cannot have the regression over the next couple of weeks. I think you have to maintain this pace and Oh, by the way, no Philip Forsberg, Alex, Alex Carrier's out as well. So you're, you're, you are banking points with some context here. That's positive for the club. I, I you, you have to make sure that the regression does not come during this homestand when you're playing Anaheim, Vegas, Jersey, Columbus, Boston, Montreal, like there's winnable games in there and you're at home, you've got to capitalize on that situation. I, you're going to have a slump at some point. I, I just don't, you've got to hold off 
over the course of the next couple of weeks, in my opinion. It, once you get into December, you know, then you you can expect a midseason slump at some point when they start going back on the road. But um, I think they've acquitted themselves very well, and that that leads us to UC Soros, um, six one and one. In his last eight starts, a 944 save percentage, a 174 goals against average, 11 quality starts, as I mentioned, leading the NHL in that category, and a 6.07 goals saved above average, which he was number one in the NHL last year. He's sort of been around 12th, and then he was like 10th last week. Now he's eighth in the NHL uh, in that category, which just means he's he, – he, again, I those numbers aren't sustainable, 174 and 944, but I, I – I'm with you. I just don't feel like there's a huge regression coming. I think there'll be a slight regression. Um, he's playing a lot of minutes, playing a lot of games. I think he's fourth in the NHL and game started at 13. Um, but, it, you know, I don't know. He, he seems pretty capable to me, <laughs> you know? Right. And we talked before the season that we didn't expect Juicy Saros to play like he did in the second half of last season when he finished at the top of the league and goal saved above average, I think, with like 20. Um, and he's off to a, a really good start again. And there, I, I have little reason to believe that, you know, that he won't be able to maintain something around this level of play throughout the entire season, as you said, and as we just described with the team as a whole, there will come a time where, you know, he might struggle a little bit, but for the most part, I've watched, you know, everything I've watched him do this season suggests to me that the level he's playing at is like his normal level, you know, he, he's just a, a really good goaltender. And I, I think it's important that he's gotten off to this really good start just because after everything we talked about last season, you were wondering if, you know, there would be a drop off. You were wondering if he was motivated to, you know, fully step out of Pecorino's shadow or he, and he was also in a contract year. And, and, you know, not that I don't not that I think UC Saros pays attention to those things, but we come up with those narratives for him. And, you know, I think the fact that he's gotten off to such a great start um, the way um, and, and maintained a high level of play throughout the season. And he's gotten better, too. Like, I, I think when you look at those numbers you mentioned, when you look at his goal saved above average numbers, it wasn't like he got off to a really hot start and he's coming down. He got off to a. An, an average start and he's going up. So I, I think it's important that he, I think it's important that he, you know, that he's, he's, he's improving over time. He's not, he's not declining already in the early portion of the season. Yeah. I, I think that's important. And I also think along the lines of, of Saros and the whole team, I think it's, you know, the cancellation of the game postponement, whatever, you don't like it. You hope everybody's safe, of course, obviously first and foremost, but I think it, to be honest with you, I don't think it could have come at a better time. <laughs> like, hmm. like, like getting an extra day off after the amount of time they've spent away from home and getting just a, a you know, where they were going to have to go every other night here for like five straight, four straight games. I, I think you could argue it could have been, a, it could have come at a w much worse time. I think it was a pretty good time for the, a night, a, a, just a random night off for the Preds. I feel like. Yeah. I, I mean, very, very rarely, especially in this sort of season with the, with the, um, with the Olympic break built in, the games are closer together. So, you know, rarely do teams, I don't know every what team schedule, of course, but you know, the Predators are going to have three full off days from games. You know, that doesn't happen very often in the, yeah. in, in the middle of a season. So, 
I'm not sure of what their schedule is. You know, I imagine they may have taken a day off on Wednesday and perhaps they get a practice in on Thursday instead of playing. Um, you know, it, it is good. I, I like, I, I, you know, it's, it sucks for the senators that they're, they're dealing with this last year. It made a little bit more sense because we were still rolling out the vaccine and, and things weren't as, um, things weren't as, uh, quote unquote, back to normal as they seem to be now. Uh, but as we know, uh, while the COVID-19 vaccine does protect you from the vaccine, excuse me, from the, from the virus, it, it, you know, there are breakthrough cases. Yeah. The worst so, effects, the worst effects are protected. Like you're not going to get hospitalized, but you definitely can get it, <laughs> which yes, you can which, definitely get it. So it certainly sucks yeah. for the senators among the players, by the way, in the COVID-19 protocol is Austin Watson. Uh, so hopefully he's doing okay, but you know, like it's, it's, you know, you could sort of say it's a blessing in disguise, which is a weird thing to say about a team dealing with the COVID-19 outbreak, but you know, the predators certainly I'm sure are not complaining right, about right. the opportunity to decompress. Um, I know you wrote about this and cause we weren't going to plan on talking a lot about Matt Duchesne, Mikhail Granlin, Roman Yossi, like all these guys, Johansson, like we talked a lot last week about, is it sustainable their production level? And then of course they go out and they do it again on, on, on Thursday night and they do it again on, on Saturday. Um, it, you know, the question about sustainability was, was one that we spent a lot of time last week on the show. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time uh, talking about it, but you did write about Matt Duchesne on, on, on the website for the athletic about sort of his, how he's, he's quieted everybody down because he's leading the teams point per game. He's scoring like crazy. He's surpassed all of his point totals from last year. Um, is there anything, you know, I don't want to, again, I don't want to spend too much time on it. We did it a lot last week, but you did write the piece. Is there anything that you've written in that story that you maybe learned in the process of writing that about Matt Duchesne's sustainability that we didn't talk about last week? Well, I think looking at the breakdown of, of how he's, how he's getting his scoring chances was interesting. So, you know, he's still at nine goals and, and five of his nine goals have come off the rush. You know, he's, he's a lot more prolific in creating scoring chances off the rush than he was last season. Um, I think he's using his speed a lot more effectively. Um, and I think that, that those numbers um, support that, um, that he, that he's able to generate offense in a way that's best suited to his game, which is using his speed. Um, and he's also getting to the, to the, the slot a lot more often um, than he did last season on a per game basis. Um, and of course, as we know, the closer you are to the net, the better chance you have of scoring. Um, so, you know, we talked about sustainability, you know, when I, at the time I wrote the story, he had scored something like three and a half goals above expected in all situations compared to last year when he scored, I think it was 4.4 goals below expected. Um, so sort of like the team as a whole to, to use that theme again, you know, there's going to come a time where Matthew Shane slows down, yeah. uh, but he's doing the things he's doing the right things. As I said before about the team to, to ward off that regression. It's going to happen at some point, but he's doing the things that are necessary to prevent it from happening for the time being in terms of, you know, using his speed, getting, you know, scoring off the rush, getting to this slot and inner slot, you know, those are all important things. So if he continues to do that and, and continues to um, maintain his shot volume and his shot quality, you know, he should be able to score at, at the rate that he's scoring right now or close to it. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think, and and he has said it for multiple years, and you wrote about this, like, hey, guys, 
I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong necessarily. I'm in the right place. I'm just not getting the luck. And, and it seems like he's getting the luck now, it, but it does seem like he's a different player. It does seem like he's bought into the system. And we talked a lot about that last week. So I don't want to, I don't want to beat that horse, but um, I'll, let's take a look at some team team numbers here. Um, unless you've got anything else to add about the central division and, you know, expect like Colorado is going to be much better than they are right now. I don't know if there's any, any comments you've got about the division, but let's take a look at some team stats. Um, number one, the Predators are at 26% on the power play. That is fifth in the NHL, and therefore you are still not allowed to use any Simpsons gifts on Twitter. They continue to score on the power play. Give them credit. 26.2. I can't remember the last time it was that high. Um, and, you know, stop me if you've heard this one before, but it's going to regress. But it's <laughs> it's very high right now. Like and the theme of the show. There are no complaints. Um, penalty kill. And this was a problem on against Toronto. And taking too many penalties, for, for that matter. Penalty kill, 79%. They are number 22 in the league. They've had they've given up 57 power play opportunities to the opponent. That is fourth in the NHL, mo- fourth most in the NHL. They are fifth in the NHL in penalties, penalty minutes per game. I, I think there is a – we'll have a larger conversation about scoring goals here in just a second. But I, I think I, – I don't think it's sustainable – to be it though, if you're if you're going to be an offensive team that is where they're going to, where they are right now, which again we'll talk about in a second, you've got to stop taking penalties. Philip Tomasino took a couple penalties on Tuesday night. Austin Matthews scored on the power play. The penalty kill has not been good, not been great. It's been it's actually been getting worse over the course of the last three shows we've done. And again, they just seem like they're taking a lot more penalties. I like the activity of the team. I like the physicality, the 200 foot shift in shift out nature of the roster and the coaching staff and everything, but they're going to have to start limiting some of those mistakes. Well, I'm looking at the net penalty differential for the season, which on NHL.com includes penalties of all kinds. So it includes minor penalties, major penalties, et cetera. The Predators are 31st in the league at minus 14. They've drawn 57 penalties and taken 71. Uh, The only team worse are the Arizona Coyotes, not a team you ever want to be in shared company with. They're at negative 15. Um, so I'm looking at the Predators' um, minor penalties right now. They're at 60 minor penalties, um, which is which is fifth most in the NHL behind Detroit, Montreal, Carolina, and Arizona. Um, and in terms of penalty minutes per games played, um, they are fifth. They they have they have averaged uh, 11 minutes and three seconds of penalty minutes per game. Um, and some, you know, like, I, like it's, it's different when you're, when you're including major penalties in that. Um, like I said, unfortunately, the NHL's website does not include, like does not separate the minors from the majors when they're, when they're talking about, uh, when they're talking about penalty differential, even though there are other, there are other sites that do, but the point is that they're taking a lot more penalties than they're drawing. Right. And right. The, the, the point is when you're, you know, clicking it under 70, under 80% on the penalty kill, it, it doesn't help to, uh, to take that many penalties. But then you look at the goal that Austin Matthews scored on Tuesday. I mean, very few teams are going to be able to stop that. I mean, that was an, a, a very well executed power play. And Austin Matthews, we talked about shooting talent a couple of weeks ago. He is an elite shooter and UC Soros stood no chance. Uh, I mean, that, that was shot. that was the same deal with in Edmonton, right? Like when Connor McDavid right. somehow figures out a way to get Leon Draisaitl a backside shot, like it's not really anybody's fault necessarily. They have run into some hot penalty uh, power play teams, so that's part of th- this equation. 
Is there anything specific that you're seeing out of the penalty kill that they're doing wrong? Is it, or the, or the fact that they're being so aggressive and taking so many penalties in the first place, are they lazy penalties or are they effort penalties as the football coaches like to say? Yeah, that's a good question. And I would have to, I, I, I would have to dig into that and perhaps that can be a topic next week. If I actually take the time to look at the types of penalties that are being taken, the specific penalties, um, because oftentimes, you know, coaches will, you know, NHL coaches will talk about effort penalties too. You know, oftentimes it's stick penalties that they don't like tripping penalties, hooking penalties, cross checking, um, cross checking. Right. So that's a good question. And it's worth looking into. So why don't we, why don't put we it, save up that more conversation right. for next week? Just because I, I will make sure to have more specifics right. available to me. Versus talking out of my my rear end. <laughs> well, but I do I do enjoy it when your rear end talks. It's it's quite enjoyable mm. for me. Uh, Face off percentage they're actually down a few spots. They're fifteenth in the league uh, at fifty point three. That they were actually a top ten face off team for a, a large chunk of the season so far. So that's dropped, which may be a part of what happened against Toronto. Uh, they are ninth in the NHL in goals against per game at two point six three. So that's pretty solid. Top ten there defensively, just in general although that wasn't the case against Toronto again. Uh, and the big one that I want to talk about when we come back, and that is 2.69 goals for per game on offense. They are ranked 25th in the NHL in scoring goals. And it, I don't know if you know this, Adam, but it's sort of how you win games in hockey. So when we come back, we will dive into can the Nashville Predators make the playoffs averaging 2.69 goals per game and being 25th in the league in offense. We'll do that when we come back right here on the Gold Standard. Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers. Do you have Where... a haiku, do you have a haiku for me? Mm-hmm. No, because that that also requires a lot of extra thought because you have to have the specific amount five, seven, of five. syllables. Five seven five. No. I... Okay, five seven five. You can do it. Come on, you're a writer. You're Jaspers is very. Is, wait, very. It's already, is two it's already like six. <laughs> Okay, screw it. <laughs> How about uh, go to Jasper's because the parking is free. The, there are fantastic drink specials for. Wait, did and- you? Is this a haiku? No, 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 God no. Oh, okay. I was How gonna about- say it's really impressive. You're doing that off the top of your head. Go to Jasper's. Oh, see, I can't do it now. <laughs> there you go. Go to Jasper's now, where the parking is free. You will have a blast. There you go. There you have it. And I'm terrible at this. <laughs> um, no, go to Jasper's. You will actually have a blast. And the parking is actually free. There are drink specials and food specials for Nashville Predators fans, or all humans, frankly, that go in during Predators home and road games. $3 beers, $10 smash burgers. And you can order the, the cocktail named after this show, the Gold Standard. Uh, make sure you take pictures of it, tweet about it, all that good stuff. Um, they're also offering up gift cards right now. If you buy a $100 gift card, they're, ha- they're having some flash sales. So depending on when you buy it, you might get $20 off. So you don't have to get, you only have to pay 80 bucks for a hundred dollar gift card and they'll give you a $20 gift card for you to use. So selfishly, you can buy a gift for someone else and you get a gift for yourself at the same time when you go to Jasper's and they will not be playing Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. So you don't have to worry about that stress in your life, which is a, which is wonderful. I know that you're very worried about that. I'm not so much worried about it because we're almost at that time of the year. We're a week okay. and a half away. Okay. So the the Christmas music, the Christmas music, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Mariah Carey season? Well, we can go with that. 
All the, deco- I want the decorations Christmas is Jaspers. There we go. All I want for Christmas is Jaspers. Uh, but this war against Thanksgiving will not stand. I, I, I can't. Uh, it's my favorite holiday, and I'm fighting tooth and nail against my two small daughters and wife to make sure that Thanksgiving is relevant in my household. It's just, it's my favorite day. It's my favorite holiday. Uh, and I'm just fighting so hard for it. Like I fight so hard for Jasper's where the parking is free. The drink specials are great. The food is great. And there will be no stinking Christmas music until Black Friday after Thanksgiving. So next and Friday. there won't be any haikus, maybe. They got new, en- they got new menu items. Well, thank God there's no more haikus. They got new menu items. They got some new flatbreads. They got the big cheese sticks. I went and tried those the other day. They're great. And they've got a chimichanga. Yeah, thanks for the invite, by the Fantastic. way. Fantastic. Yeah, your wife was busting my chops on the Twitters about that. What's that about? I can't, you guys have a she newborn. She was upset that she wasn't invited. You, have, you guys have a newborn. I don't have her number. I'm not just going to so DM what? your wife. You know, The baby does nothing. You just put him in the stroller and he's good. Have you guys gone to dinner with the baby yet? Multiple times. Oh, at Jasper's, right? <laughs> we have wait of course on. we have course. not been wait we we have not been to jasper's as a family but we have been to another dead podcast restaurant multiple times we've been to char oh there you go so arlo is quite familiar with char wow bougie little not, baby yes but he has not been to jasper's it's on the to-do list all right there you go take arlo to jasper's and you won't have to pay for parking uh go to jasper's everybody All right, Adam, let's talk offense here for the Nashville Predators. And it's not like this This is an unusual question for this franchise. It's been 25 years of this question, basically. And that is, you know, are they good enough in net? Are they good enough on defense to overcome their offensive uh, ineffectiveness at times or inefficiency or, you know, you know whatever you want to call it? They're, they're certainly missing Philip Forsberg. So that's a piece of context here that's incredibly important. But they are currently averaging 2.69 goals per game. That is 25th in the NHL. In, in essentially offense. And I, I guess while we just spent the entire first half of the show talking about regression and Soros regressing and the penalty kill, you know, power play regressing and like all this other stuff regressing, Duchesne, if that happens, that number is not going to get any better. It's going to go down from 25. And that, I, I guess my question is, can, can this team make the playoffs as one of the five or six or seven lowest scoring teams in the league? Well, to answer your question, I went back and looked at the the goals for per game last season. Of course, a 56-game season. But I went back and, and sorted, the, sorted the league from top to bottom. Um, the Predators were 22nd out of 31 teams last season in goals per game at 2.7. You said 2.69 this season. Okay, They were the lowest scoring team to make the playoffs last year. <laughs> um, the, the teams below them, Arizona. Vancouver, San Jose, New Jersey, Los Angeles, Buffalo, Columbus, Detroit, and Anaheim. So the Predators basically averaged over 56 games, the number of goals per game that they're scoring right now, and were still able to make the playoffs, but they did it. They did so on the back of their goaltending. So is it possible for a team to make a, to make the playoffs scoring 2.7 ish goals per game? Yes. Is it likely? Um, it, you know, it requires a lot of other things to go right. You know, if, if the Predators continue to get the goaltending that they have from UC Soros, even if there is some offensive regression, they will probably be in a good enough spot to at least challenge for a playoff, a playoff position. Um, but like I, I would, 
you know, I, I would go back to the last full season, but I wouldn't remember who made the playoffs that year, but, but last year in 56 games, the predators were the lowest scoring team to make the playoffs. And I, I don't know. So basically scoring the same amount that they're scoring right now. Yeah. I don't know if that gives me confidence or that they can do it, or if that makes me concerned. <laughs> well, it, it's one of those things that you don't anticipate happening two seasons in a row. Um, right. But, but, you know, I think the Predators, I think they're, I'd have, to, I'd have to look at the numbers. I feel like their offensive process is better this season than it was last year Agreed. in terms of how they're getting to, their, to the scoring areas and whatnot. Um, so you might think that, you know, on the flip side, you know, the eye tests indicate they're doing a better job of creating those chances, but they're still only scoring 2.7 goals a game. So... You know, it's it's something to keep an eye on, um, but they proved last year that they can be a low scoring team to make the playoffs. Of course, they didn't last very long in the playoffs, <laughs> but they they made it. Um, so it is. Yes, it is possible. Is it something that could happen multiple times or consecutive seasons? I'm not sure. So here are the last four. You want the last four years? Because you, sure. you, gave, you gave everybody last year, right? Um, they were. What do you say? Two point. What'd you say? Two point. What was it? Seven. They, or something? they, they, they averaged 2.7 goals per game last season. Okay. Um, so in 2020, which obviously there's a caveat there, right? 2020 was the pandemic year and it was shortened and they made the playoffs. They averaged 3.07 goals per game. That was a half lobby <laughs> partial Heinz season. They were 19th mm-hmm. in the NHL in scoring that year. They made, they obviously sort of made the playoffs there, right? 2.88 goals per game in 2019 This is full lobby and that was the year they lost to Dallas, right? Dallas. In the first round in the of first six. Round. They were 19th in the NHL in scoring. And here's where I think it's interesting. And it's, it's, I cannot believe it's this simple. It can't be this simple. 2018 President's Trophy Award winner, 3.18 goals per game, seventh in the NHL. And they went to game seven against Winnipeg in the second round. 2017, even though they were an eighth place team with no Stanley cup aspirations at all, 2.9 goals per game, 11th in the NHL in scoring offense. So the two teams that have gone the furthest in the playoffs in the last six seasons were the two highest scoring teams by the Nashville predators. So again, I, that could be purely coincidental. Um, but 25, even, even some of these teams that barely snuck in and got beat by Arizona and by Dallas, 19th was was they were still top 20 25th is was even even if the numbers are equivalent it's relative to the rest of the league if scoring is up across the league and nashville's not scoring as much that's a concern but but i agree with you that it looks like a better product this year you know right it 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 does seem like a team that has you know that's it's even more comfortable within its identity and it feels like they're getting a lot more chances in close than they have with this over the past couple of years. Again, I'd have to look at the numbers to see if my eyes are deceiving me, um, which is the beauty of analytics, of course, but just by watching them, they seem to be getting there. They did not get there at all. um, Or very rarely against the Maple Leafs. As I said, they were outshot from the slot 20 to seven in all situations. Um, but you know, if I were to go back and look at their slot shots per game, I'd have to imagine they were in the, you know, in the low to mid teens every game. And I can probably look that up right now as, (laughs) as, as you vamp, 
and I pull up my numbers. I, I mean, listen, it, again, I don't think it's as simple as, oh, the two best scoring offenses for the National Predators have had over the last six years are the two teams that went the furthest in the playoffs, regardless of where they finished in the standings. And I, you know, again, I don't think it's that simple. So I think we do need some analytics data here to sort of back this up. But it, it, but it does, it feels like scoring is up slightly across the league. And again, maybe that's just the first month of the season, first, you know, 15 games, whatever. It, it, there's certainly, that's certainly, we've talked about regression. That could, that's the theme on the show that it certainly could, the entire league could regress to some degree. Or, or maybe this is just the new pace for this season because every, every, All right, I got every year is a little different. I got him. So this, these numbers are based on the season before last night's game. So these do not okay. include last night's game. So the Predators, according to Sport Logic, have averaged 10.3 quality chances per game, which is 20th in the league. Um, the minimum in the league, so the league worst is 8.7. The average league average is 10.9. And the Maple Leafs were the best team in the league at quality with quality, in quality chances with 13.8 <laughs> per game. So those numbers got uh, even worse last night. <laughs> they got even worse last night, right. yes. So they were bottom third of the league and quality chances per game. Now I'm going to look at now that's um, a little bit better. That that shows right. that, that paints a slightly better picture of the offense. So I'm looking at slot shots per game over their previous 10 games before last night. So against Arizona, this is in all situations. They had 13 slot shots to eight for Arizona. Against St. Louis, they were outshot in the slot 23 to 14. Against Dallas, it was eight to eight. Against the Blackhawks, it was 20 to 11 in favor of Chicago. Against Vancouver, it was 16 to 12 in favor of Nashville. Against Edmonton, it was 15 to 12 in favor of Edmonton. <laughs> Against Calgary, it was 22 to 10 in favor of Calgary. Yeah, there, there's um, your, there's your, uh, there's your steal. goals, goals. Yeah, there's your steal by, by UC Soros. There's your steal by UC Soros. It was 13 11 in favor of the Islanders. It was 12 to 11 against the Sharks in favor of the Predators. And it was 19 to 14 in favor of the Predators against Minnesota. So over those 12, excuse me, over those 10 games, not including last night, they had averaged 12.6 slot shots per game. Which is, which is, so that's not the same as quality chances, right? So that you've got, that's two different I'm not sure that the, the specific desk, yeah. I'm not yeah, sure yeah. of the specific desk, des, uh, the, definition of quality chances i would have to ask my my friends at sport logic but if you want to just look at slot if you want to look at slot shots over their past 10 over their previous 10 games before last night when they had seven they had averaged 12.6 that that dallas game man remind me not to watch the stars matchups when there's a grand total of eight slot shots per team like that's that's not nearly as fun as <laughs> when they had what is it 23 to 14 that's that's the kind of offensive hockey i want to see as a fan we can also look at expected goals to get an overall sense right. of 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 quality so against the arizona coyotes it was 2.74 to 2.35 in favor of nashville against st louis it was 4.22 to 2.54 in favor of st louis so um you know by and large, the Predators actually have, they've been giving up more quality than they've been, than they've been generating. Yep. yep. Um, but, you know, so that's interesting. So we both felt that their numbers, that the, the eye test seemed to be better, but the numbers indicate that they're, you know, yep. slightly below average in those categories. 
Well, it's it's something to keep an eye on because if we're kind of predicting large scale regression, there's going to be a downswing where they're going to have a chunk of games where they're going to not play well because that's just sort of how hockey is. We're pointing to the cracks, right? Like, and again, it's not exactly a first place team that's like undefeated here. We're talking about a nine six and one team, but UC Saros is playing elite hockey. The penalty kill is not great, and you're taking too many penalties, and you're not generating enough offense. These are things you want to sort of level out, right? Like you want to bring these up, up to the middle a little bit and down to the middle, and, and that's where you start to feel more comfortable about a night night in, night out, consistent performance where, you know, you can go five, three, and one, let's say, in in you know in a nine game stretch. That that's sort of the, the 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 pace you want to be on, right? Like ten, six, and two would be an unbelievable pace. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's a p- successful playoff pace. Nine, six, and one, for example, is probably a good successful playoff pace. So um, we'll just see. Just wanted to keep an eye on it. Wanted to ask you that question, bring up some of the history, look at the slot shots and the quality chances and uh, have a little conversation about that as well. Um, in- anything else you want to add about the offense? You good there? Not really. I think we covered yeah. it. Um okay. But I mean, like I like I said, I think we're we're seeing some things that if the predators were to slip a bit, there are some obvious things to look at um, in terms of, of where those things could happen. So at Montreal on Saturday, uh, Anaheim on Monday, and then Vegas at home on Wednesday. So they get six out of seven at home starting on Monday. Uh, again, our show will come out next Wednesday morning, bright and early for your road trip to wherever you're going to s- spend time with with friends and family for Thanksgiving. Um, you know, what, what do you make of those three games before we meet back up with folks next week? Well, Anaheim is one of the stories of the season. They're 10-4-3. and three. Um, They've won eight consecutive games. Um, Anaheim has not really been relevant in quite some time. I feel like since the Predators beat them in the Western Conference Final in 2017, they've really been irrelevant. Um, but they're off to a, a fantastic start. Troy Terry, one of their young players, is on absolute fire. Uh, Ryan Getzloff uh, recorded his 1,000th career point on Tuesday, which was good to see. You know, I know Predators fans don't <laughs> love Ryan Getzloff, but he has been a good player for a long time. Um, so I'm interested in that matchup just because the ducks have not been good lately, but they are off to a, a fabulous start, or at least over the past couple of weeks, they've been playing exceptionally well. Vegas is one of those teams we talked about talking about positive regression. They're nine and seven. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, but you would, would expect them to, to figure it out. They're fifth in the Pacific, but Vegas was always a tough matchup looking forward to that. Um, New Jersey is about what we expect New Jersey to be. I mean, they're seven, four, and three as we record this, which is not bad. That's fifth in the Metropolitan Division. You know, always love a PK Subban revenge game. Oh yeah, yeah. The the media in Montreal is crazy. <laughs> not yes. not that that's like new information to anybody, but it's just it's just crazy. Uh, by the way, Anaheim will play Carolina on Thursday evening, and then we'll get the entire weekend off. So they'll get Friday, Saturday, Sunday off before they come before to playing the Predators. So they'll, they will be rested and potentially on a nine game winning streak. If they beat Carolina at home in front of, I don't know, like 11 fans uh, in Anaheim. <laughs> um, that's, that's a little mean spirited. It's like 12, it's like 11,000. Sorry. Um, so a, a lot of home games coming up next week through the holiday break. Um, so we'll talk a lot about that coming up next week on the show, but I did want to get your thoughts on, Montreal, Anaheim, and Vegas coming up before we're back next Wednesday. All right. We talked about Matt Duchesne and the story up on the website. Great story about Tanner Janot up on the website as well. 
You got the mailbag from last week, had a lot of Forsberg comments in there. You talked a lot about that on the show last week as well. Um, this is your floor. This is your space. This is your show to have some conversation with Predators fans out there as you see fit, Adam. Sure. Well, you said I wanted to get things off my chest, which makes me sound angry, but I am not angry. Um, but I just wanted to, to share with our listeners. I wanted to be transparent with our listeners, many of whom are subscribers to The Athletic, which I'm very grateful for. So I've been getting comments on my stories recently about the relative lack of stories on the Predators on The Athletic since I returned from parental leave. Um, and I just wanted to address that. Um, first of all, I, I have taken another role. I have taken on additional responsibilities within, within the company on top of my predators coverage. You know, I, I, I take part in our NHL breaking news coverage in terms of, you know, when, when things happen, just being on top of them and, and putting together packages, um, and such. So, you know, I, am doing that two to three times a week. Uh, so that takes away from, you know, the time I would usually be spending writing. It sounds a little bit but, like an excuse, Adam, is what it sounds like. Don't, don't let me just hear me out. Okay. okay? All right. Okay. You, you said the floor was mine. Play like a champion every get, day. Get Super off Bowl. the floor. Okay, my bad. So I, so I, so I, you know, not every beat is the same. Every, every, every reporter covers their team differently. Um, I've been covering the Predators now. This is my fourth season covering the team for, for the Athletic. And I, I feel like there are certain things that readers can expect and not expect um, from me. Um, for example, I almost never write after games. I, I do not write post-game analysis unless something so miraculous happens in the game that I feel like it warrants a story. Um, so, you know, I made the decision um, when I returned to leave in consultation with some of my superiors to focus less on day-to-day -day type coverage and more on large features and big picture stories. And I think you've seen that since I've returned from leave, such as my feature on Mark Borowiecki, uh, my feature on Connor Ingram, uh, the aforementioned uh, feature on Tanner Janot. And those stories I have found and I and keep in mind, you know, this is these are the same things that I that I kept in mind when I was working at the Tennessean too. Although at the Tennessean, I was more of a traditional beat reporter who covered you know news and wrote after every game and things of like that. Slightly different priorities at Gannett. Correct. So, <laughs> I, you know, I have found that by and large, predators subscribers to the Athletic are more interested in those types of stories, the Borowiecki story, the Ingram story, the Jeannot story, than the day-to-day -day goings on. Now we have a real-time section on our website where if there are practice updates, injury updates, things of that nature, I post them in there. But you know, I, I'm not going to write stories about here's what I saw at practice today. You know, that's not what that's not what I've done. And I haven't done that in three and a half years at the athletic. Um, but so who are you angry at? I'm not angry at anybody. <laughs> I just think that it's important I'm to kidding, note I'm that kidding. I know, I think it's important to note, um, that compared to some of my colleagues, the sheer number of stories I'm writing are fewer, but I think the quality of the stories has improved. So, you know, to those readers who are looking for, you know, more analysis, I will take that feedback in mind, especially as the team is playing well. 
but you know, I can, you know, I, I think the approach that I have been taking since I returned from leave has been very successful from a metric standpoint, which is important. Um, so I just wanted to address that, uh, because I've noticed that more often, which is odd because like I said, I don't think the way I've covered the team this season has changed significantly from how I covered it in previous years. The other thing you have to keep in mind is that during training camp and development camp, I was on paternity leave, so I wasn't writing anything. Um, so that perhaps that has something to do with it. But, you know, it, it is a common theme I've started to see on my stories and I felt it was important to address. People, people just want more Adam Vingen, man. It's, it's I understand that. And I want to and I and and, and I take the I take that feedback in, at, in, at I take it you know to heart. I right, don't right, ignore right. it. I don't dismiss it. I don't say these people don't know what they want. Um, but you can't please everybody. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like, you know, part of the athletics model is quality over quantity. And, you know, for me, I, I would rather, you know, if it means writing fewer stories, but the ones I write are better and, 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 and more well-researched and have tons of voices in them. I, I think that is a better way of going about things, which not everyone might agree with. You mean, but you mean, that, you mean like journalism? Yes. <laughs> um, so I just want All those right. listeners to know that your feedback has been, has been heard. I understand it. I will I, take it into, I will take it. I take it to heart and I, I hope that you, you know, that, you know, you understand. Well, and I will say this, like we read every single comment. If you write a review on this show, we read every single one. I know you read every single comment on the athletic when somebody comments. And so part of the, the point of this product and this show is to have a, a very open, transparent, communal experience for Predators fans with two guys that cover the team. And, and you know, I, I think that's sort of the point of this, you know, this show and, and this entire platform for me personally is to just sort of build that, that communal experience. And the way we do that is by being transparent and uh, telling really, really solid, thoughtful, in-depth, well-researched stories. I'd also like to point out, as part of being transparent, that Adam Vingan has done this entire episode while his father is showering in the hotel room behind him. <laughs> yes it, you've been you've been playing through a lot of distractions tonight and i appreciate that your effort i just want to point that out to the audience yes just make sure you don't clip those videos father son trip uh right now enjoying a little time away from the baby and, yes my uh, first time away from the baby like this is the first time i've been away from today wednesday is the first full day that i've been away from my son since he was born how you feeling you okay i miss him a great deal you miss him a little you miss him <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah it happens man it happens to everybody <laughs> it means you're a good dad um all right say hi to papa vingan for me uh and uh where, where should people subscribe and find you they can find me on theathletic.com on twitter at adam vingan and like i said look i i you know i like to go into the comment sections i like to interact with my readers you know they're very important to me even if I don't agree with some of the things that are said sometimes, not about me necessarily, but about, you know, the team or the, sure, the, sure. the opinion that I take, I think it's important to foster that community. I think we've done that. I think we've done an excellent job of that since I jumped to the athletic and I want to continue doing that. You know, I don't want anyone to feel like their needs aren't being met and I will make sure that, that, that they are taken into consideration. You exist to meet my needs, Adam. Pay for good journalism at theathletic.com. You can follow him on Twitter, of course, as well. My name's Braden Gall. You can follow me at Braden Gall. The gold standard, Adam Vingen, is brought to you by... Jaspers. I don't have a haiku. That's all, just Jaspers. It's free parking. It's great food. It's a great place to watch the game. What else do you need to know? I don't think you need to know 
anything else at all. Safe travels, Adam. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Please rate, review, subscribe, share the product. That is all that we ask here on the Gold Standard, of course. Thank you all for listening. My name is Braden Gall. This has been the Gold Standard Podcast. I just said that on the 440 Sports Network.